This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Hi, this is Arjun. It's always a pleasure to win, but winning big puts us all on the path for sustained long-term wins. In this podcast, I have the best seat in the house because I get a chance to talk to leaders from all walks of life all over the world. And all walks is very important because each one of us have a different, unique journey with a different starting point, different end. That's the reason those inputs are fascinating. In that spirit, today, it's a pleasure and an honor to welcome my VIP guest, Robin Wilson. Hello, how are you? Robin, I'm just excited to learn about you. And the reason I say so is as I went through your accomplishments, Robin is a US lifestyle brand, author, designer, and a real estate developer, an entrepreneurial founder of a licensed brand focused on clean design protocols. And of course, I really would love to know a lot more about it. Named to the Inc. Magazine Female Founders 100 list in 2020. She's a world-class thought leader on hypoallergenic, sustainable, and eco-conscious options for the B2B and B2C marketplace. Wow. Robin, welcome again. <laughs> so Robin, I just have to ask right away, congratulations. You know, to me, I think each one of us think we are cool, but Inc. Magazine 2020 putting you on the list, calling you a game changer. What was it like to be celebrated as a game changer? I think all of us work so very hard. And when you get an accolade from Inc. Magazine, which is a, one of the heralded business publications, and you're on the top 100 female founders list, the first thing is, really? The second thing is, oh my gosh, happy dance. And then, of course, finally, as so many of us would say, you want to put the magazine in your hands. And mm -hmm. that, I think, made it the reality uh, moment of, okay, you know, now it's time to get back to work. I think that uh, that's really the, the journey of an entrepreneur is you don't stop with an accolade, but in fact, you use it to create forward momentum for your next moment. I loved how you went into a childlike celebration mode with the happy dance. But I also loved how you used the impetus to push yourself forward. What was something that pushed you to go further that that Inc. magazine recognition took you to? You know, I think that right after the Inc. award, I had an opportunity to license my brand to a major corporation. Hmm. And I think they probably signed the deal because of that, because they realized if they didn't do it, someone else would. I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is to recognize that in the last year with this pandemic, one of the things that's been emphasized so much is clean. You know, you've got to be clean uh, with your home, your hands, your everything. And so we, my company, created this brand that we call Clean Design Home, mm -hmm. which is an extension of the Robin Wilson Home brand, but it's focused on the retail, meaning we can sell multiple companies products. Mm -hmm. uh, everything is hypoallergenic or eco-friendly or sustainable or a combination of all of those categories. And it was the perfect genesis. So, mm -hmm. but do you sit there, put that on your wall and go, yay, and look at it every day? Or do you say, okay, now what's next? So you win the award, you license your brand, and then Ellen DeGeneres launches the brand on her show wow. on four of her 12 days of Christmas giveaway. This all happened within about three and a half weeks. So that was a moment of, okay. And then you have 26,000 people a day going to your website to purchase something or just to browse around. That's the moment when you say, okay, we're crossing a path to a different threshold. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that happened was Design Magazine did mm -hmm. an eight-page profile on me. And we've been in business 20 years. It's not about the awards. 
you don't become an entrepreneur for awards. You become an entrepreneur because there's a hole in the market that you have an opportunity to fill. Mm -hmm. I think everyone may look at this moment and say, wow, look at what she did over about four or five weeks. But it's a 20-year journey. And there have been some pitfalls on the way. There have been great successes. And I've often told people that the day you know you're really an entrepreneur is the day you pay everyone else and you don't pay yourself, but you still get up the next day excited about what you do. The second time you I love that about paying everyone else before because each one of us have a different spin on leadership yes. and you're sharing for 20 years what you lived. And you know, to me, as you were talked about the 26,000 number, the thing that hit home is a lot of us live at the intersection of passion and what we are good at, but you have taken it to a third dimension, making impact. Like if that number was even one, that's yes. more than zero. So I just want to understand a little bit about Robin Wilson Home and what it is, what it stands for, and what is clean design? Like, how did you evolve? So if you can take me a little bit on the journey, it would be fascinating. Sure. Well, my journey is from birth. I was, I'll use a term, afflicted or born with allergies and asthma. Mm-hmm. And so imagine, I call it the wheezing and sneezing threshold. A basic, you Mm -hmm. need to be able to breathe. You need to be able to eat things that don't make you sick. So imagine being the canary in the coal mine because today everyone seems to have allergies and asthma, but I was the kid that did and no one else did. And so I remember um, in second grade, the uh, teacher was one of those people from the clean your plate club. And I said, I'm allergic to grilled cheese sandwiches. I can't have it. She's like, you're just a picky eater. Clean your plate. And I said, okay, but you need to be ready to call my mom because I'm going to get sick. (laughs) So this mean old teacher made me eat my grilled cheese sandwich. I took one bite and started the process of anaphylaxis. Couldn't breathe, eyes bulging, you know, whatever. They call it ambulance. I'm at the hospital, whatever. So from that moment on, the school understood I really did have allergies. How old were you at that time? How old were you? I was six or seven, six or seven. But I also understood, and I think anyone with allergies or asthma does understand, you need to know what triggers you. And if anybody says, oh, come into my house, I've got a cat, but I keep my house clean. If you're allergic to cats, don't go in the house Mm -hmm. because you're going to get sick. So you need to really know what your triggers are at a very early age. As some children, for example, have peanut allergies. They can't have anything with peanuts and you shouldn't even tempt them with that. So very early on, I have this wheezing and sneezing. My parents happened to, and I, I don't know if you've read Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point, mm-hmm. but my parents luckily lived in Austin, Texas. Luckily, they had a holistic or hippie doctor who believed in his motto was, you can raise a strong child or you can raise a child on strong medicine. Mm-hmm. Now, steroid medication or change the environment. His view was clean the house. The pet goes outside. When you walk in the front door, the shoes go by the front door. If people smoke, they smoke outside. If you eat, you don't eat processed. You eat healthy mm-hmm. and organic. And instead of being a couch potato, you exercise. So fast forward, imagine that's what we do today, right? In the 70s, it was hang, pop farts, smokers, shag carpet. So my parents got rid of all of that. The family thought they were crazy, (laughs) but my health started to improve. Mm -hmm. I started to swim. I played tennis. I rode bikes. I walked. All the things that many of my friends did not do because their parents went to the steroid medication doctor. Mm -hmm. Now, Here we are many years later, and by luck, again, another luck moment, and they say, this is Malcolm Gladwell, the tipping point. Your life is given to what you are an expert in. It takes about 10,000 hours, as he says, to become an expert. So through life experience, in 1999, the company I was working for did an IPO, and I received a windfall. And one of the mentors that I had asked me this very, very piercing question, and he said, what would you do? Mm-hmm. money were no object and you could have the exact same lifestyle. I was like, real estate, design, 
you know, I would go back and get my master's degree. He's like, then get your master's degree. So I got my master's from NYU in real estate finance. So I could really learn about that. And then fast forward, I built this company. I started first as a project manager to very wealthy people who had multiple homes. And they would say, just do everything <laughs> down to the toothbrush. So you're flying to the Hamptons on a helicopter or you're going to Aspen and you're doing it on the off season. So you're really making their home ready for when they're going to the next location. At some point they're like, you have a good eye, just design it for us. So I never went to design school, but I've traveled enough, had a good enough eye, and I was able to design some pretty spectacular places. And then from there, Oprah's people. Now I will tell you this, I thought that was a, an absolute joke when the person called and said they were from Oprah. I didn't return the phone call. Hmm. The next time they called, I didn't return the phone call. And the third time they said, if you don't return the phone call, we're gonna go to the next person on the list. So I called, that was like 2004 or five. And when, I, when we spoke, they said, why is your company named WSG Consulting? By then we'd been in business five years. And you know what? I said, well, it's called that because if I fail, then nobody will know it's me. That's not what you say to Oprah's people. Mm -hmm. said, well, you need to put your name in it. Believe in yourself or we're not going to write the story. Some people at that moment would have said, well, I like my name. I've got letterhead and business cards. I spent that evening on GoDaddy.com finding my name and Robin Wilson Home popped up. And here we are 20 years later. It's a fascinating story. And I'm just looking at there are so many headlines of books you can write. First is, of course, what would you do if money is not an issue? I really think each one of us need to ask that question and more importantly, follow through. It cannot be you and I sitting over a glass of wine like we are old school buddies you know, from high school talking about it. No, it's the actions that you took. And the second part, I really think that it puts you in a category of one of one. Oprah knocked on your door three times before she got a response from you. I really am spinning at a little bit, but I let's have a little bit of fun. But what I love at every point, Robin, is anytime something comes to you, you act on it, okay? And the Oprah opportunity came. A lot of us would have tried to find the right solution over a three weeks, five weeks, and maybe the opportunity may or may not have lasted. You found the solution that was needed that night. But the biggest I worked, in fact, I worked all night. I changed the entire website. Everything that was on my old website migrated to the new website. It got better, the mm -hmm. press, everything. You know, there's a book called Getting to Yes. Mm -hmm. One of the things you have to do at that moment is you can't say, you have to say yes. You have to just say yes and put your whole heart into it and go for it. That's what I did. But there are some people, you know, who would get the exact same opportunity and they would call their, I'll call it their committee of friends and family. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Or, oh my gosh, I talked to them today and waste that two hours of chatting. Mm -hmm. I got quiet. And I believe that's what you also need to do if you want to be a true leader. There are moments, whether it's meditation, mm -hmm. whether it's a nature walk, mm -hmm. you need silence sometimes to really clarify what your goals are so you can lead your team. And you can also lead yourself from a position of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Once we got that mm -hmm. um, Oprah story, certainly we could have been like, yay, hang it on the wall. But that's when you get to work. I love and that. that's when you get the calls and that's when you have to be prepared. So it's getting ready to get ready to get ready to do the job. So what's brilliant is I want to go back to the six to seven year old. You know, most of us, when we feel that life has treated us a little unfairly, we withdraw. Mm. Sometimes, you know, there's empathy, self-pity that is there. Then few of us get to be in the one of few where we'd want to do something about our life. But you are in a different category. You are in a one of one because I say that you didn't create a path for yourself alone. You said there are other Robins all around the world. Yes. If I'm creating a path, why not make it wide enough for all Robins all over the world to go? 
And that's the part what I love is fascinating is, and that's the reason I, sorry, I rudely interrupted to understand the age because, you know, we all need to understand that the seed that was there at six to seven year old was about taking all Robins on this journey on this clean design, which I really think is fascinating. I also want to go, you know, like, and you are so humbly sharing some of your accomplishments. I just want to understand, like, what's your favorite all-time, you know, compliment or testimonial you've ever got from anyone or a client? We've done so many amazing projects, so I don't want to offend any of my clients. But I'm going to tell you the one moment that I'll never forget. And um, I was invited to spend Thanksgiving with my Angelou at her home in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And there were a whole bunch of very important people in the room. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way, under the tent mm-hmm. in the backyard. And Cicely Tyson was there mm-hmm. and Maya. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be in the right place at the right time where she was like, and I'll do it, her voice, come over here, child. You know, and you're just like, oh, you know, it's like God speaking. And she talked to me a little bit about what I was doing and what my goals were. And she said, why do you want to do this? And I said, because I can help people. I can also make money, you know, building a business. I I can be an example as an entrepreneur. I can guide people about how to live in a healthy manner. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, because I come from a working class family, I can make it affordable for people because it's not about the markup for me. It's about selling to many people and then People can afford the hypoallergenic pillow or they can afford the down alternative comforter. And I said, that's what my goal is. And she said, you have passion for what you do. And she said, and what you need to remember is you will help millions of people and it will not be a job. It will simply be what you do. Poetry, right? And so that has carried me even through those moments when I jokingly say the entrepreneur valley where you may have very little money because you spent it all on marketing and you chose to buy the billboards and the ads and magazines and pay your team and pay the tax man. (laughs) And and you're sitting there and you're just like, uh. And so on the surface, the world sees the accolades, but inside you might be saying, oh my gosh, okay, so I can't go on vacation this year because... Mm-hmm. So I'll do a staycation and I'll find a way to wrap my head around that. That word, staycation. I love that. <laughs> a staycation, right? Yeah. So, you know, I want to say this, and this is the Maya moment was powerful because it was like validation that I would help people. The other thing I want to say, and this is for any entrepreneur, if I were to give you any advice and you're starting off, remember these words, get your ABCs right, or you'll go to the one, two, threes. What does that mean? Find the best attorney so your contracts are written well. Hmm. Find the best bookkeeper so your taxes are in order from the beginning. And C, make sure that there is cash flow to your business. Or you're going to go to $1.23 in your bank account. Wow. Every entrepreneur knows that moment when they've just not done it right. And you can't know that until you cross that threshold. So make sure ABCs or one, two, three. One, two, three. And I love that. So to me, as you were talking about that moment of impact, a moment came to my, from an NYU grad. That's my daughter. I'm an NYU grad too. I know. That's the reason (laughs) I just brought that up. So I wrote this book when I was single dad called Raising a Father. And initially the book was called Raising a Daughter. And of course, humility hit after I wrote it because I realized who raised who. I was sitting with my daughter and I put this amazing marketing plan. Okay, over a two hour presentation, I presented to my daughter, 17 years old. She said, dad, are we hurting a lot? I'm like, no, we have some money for groceries. She said, yes, ma'am. She said, dad, then why are you trying so hard? I said, that's not fair. I cannot make a presentation and you just poo-poo it. Like, give me a path. And she says, dad, why can't the path be touch one more person. That's it. And it just reminded me as you were talking about it. And of course, me being not that smart, I write to visit what happens if I touch one person? She said, touch one more person. Okay. And that's the part where, you know, what I love is your success is something that makes all of us cheer for you because you're not making wealth just for you. You're making wealth for everyone. 
which means every dollar you make, it's literally like any one of us, all of us listening, we are just rooting for you right away by saying, this amazing human being must succeed in life for all of us. Like truly appreciate that. And you asked earlier, what is clean design? And yes. and so clean design, the way it touches people mm -hmm. is if you have allergies or asthma and you need to make sure you minimize your triggers, whether mm -hmm. if you have a down alternative pillow, it's the surgical gauze. It's like a cotton. It's not feathers. That's one thing. But when I was a little girl, a down alternative pillow was very expensive. It was more expensive actually than a feather pillow. Mm -hmm. And my parents saved to get me a special pillow. Mm -hmm. And I've brought that price down to like $24 or less in wow. some cases. If you buy the big box of pillows on Clean Design Home, it's like $17 a pillow. It's access That's the kind to everyone. Of thing. Access to everyone. That's right. That's right. That's oh, and speaking of one more book title, one of my wonderful photographer friends said this to me, he said, why don't you sell to the masses and live with the classes? He said, wow. you know, and I said, he said, Robin, you're going for like Bergdorf Goodman and all these very expensive stores, but only a few people can buy. If you mm -hmm. get at the Bed Bath Beyond and the Home Goods and TJX level and Macy, other, you know, the mass, the many, many consumers will be helped and versus, you know, it's an $800 pillow, you know? And I was like, you're right, you're right. And that's the genesis. Repeat of that one more time. Could you repeat that one line? That line was amazing. <laughs> Sell to the masses, yes. live with the classes. That's how every entrepreneur should pursue their business if they really, really want to do well. So fiscally. being in branding for a while, what I love about that is in your journey, to bring that pillow to every one of us at $17 to $20, $25, you did not dilute Robin-ness. No, there's a $50 pillow, mm -hmm. but the essence of the pillow is it's, still the same that's at what I lesser love price. Is you're not giving me something which is half as good. You're giving the so That's what I love is the brand integrity that you have as you bring to the masses, like to me, that statement, I like attribute to you and I'll just love to keep using it. I love that. Yes. So yes. I want to go to a little different place because I'm just wowed by your accomplishments. You're an author, a brand ambassador, designer, speaker, real estate developer. And of course, here we saw firsthand evidence of you can be an amazing, you know, voiceover artist too for <laughs> next. So just want to understand a little bit about your leadership style. And how do you make it work for your entire team? Like if I was working in one of your divisions, you know, it's like not easy to find you all the time. Like you're doing all these things. So what's that thing, magical thing that makes you successful? One of the things that I have done, and this was pre-COVID, so this is going to crack you up, is everyone is remote. Hmm. Everyone. I, by licensing my brand, have a team of like, I want to say 80 people who work for my brand, mm -hmm. but they don't work for me. Mm. They work for my licensing partner. Mm -hmm. So I have a licensing partner, let's say for sheets. There might be 20 people on that team. I have a licensing partner for pillows. There's a certain number of people for that team and on and on and on. The lawyers, the bookkeepers, the accountants. And so when COVID hit, what I realized is I have the perfect company. I can work from home. Mm -hmm. I can call on my bookkeeper. He can remote access into the mainframe and do whatever he has to do. I just have to FedEx the package of receipts and things like that to him. So he does that regularly. I have a main office in New York City. There's two people that are there. They send my mail and manage things and meetings and whatever else I need. And on and on and on, everything's remote. So I think that today there's a new way of working. I think maybe two years ago, people thought I was crazy. They're like, well, but you need to be in the city. You need to be. And I'm like, no, I need to be able to do what I have to do, whether it's being on television, whether it's being uh, writing, whether it's uh, making sure that the inventory is, I touch it and feel it and really design it well. Mm -hmm. So that means focus groups and talking to people and meeting with people. That's where I need to be. 
and for a while they were being on planes, right? And now because of Zoom, I think I've done more interviews than I would have been possibly able to do by flying to LA and being back on the red eye. I've been able to build my business more aggressively in the last year than before. So what would it be like to work for me? You're going to be remote. That's number one. <laughs> number two, I'm going to respect your time because part of life is scheduling things. So everything is scheduled by, you know, in advance, except an emergency. And I'm also going to do things that are what people would say unorthodox. So unorthodox would be, hey, you need to go for a walk. You've been on the phone all day. We're canceling our two o'clock. I just put it on your calendar so you could just go. And they're like, huh? I'm like, just go outside. See you later. <laughs> you're, you're off duty with me. Those are the things that keep wellness together. And when I say wellness, I mean here too. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just about how much you can produce. When I was in my 20s, the motto was, we all have the same 24 hours. So if I only sleep three hours, you know, I'm more productive. I think today, if I sleep six to eight hours, I'm more productive. And I think that's where we all should try to be is make sure that we schedule in that wellness time. Because with Zoom, uh, you can sit in front of the computer from dawn to dusk. And you do need to get out fresh air, walk, just not get in your car but literally get out and walk somewhere so you can get some fresh air. It's fascinating that we are talking after COVID and we are now using a new verb called Zooming. Okay. <laughs> because it's just like Xeroxing and, you know, of course those yeah. brands will hate us for using this, but this has become the cool brand. Yeah. I think the other thing how anyone, this is just is a, I'm also a mom right? So there's remote learning going on. Everything in my life is very scheduled. But when I say very scheduled, I mean, I also schedule free time and lifetime in there. We have to, when people become parents, and you said you're a parent, you know this, someone told you this, I bet you, and you probably forgot it. They said, the days are long, the years are short. <laughs> when you're talking about a baby, right? Because literally, I'm sure you remember the day you first held your baby, and now she's a grown-up, right? So imagine this. If you remember the first day you became an entrepreneur, that was probably years ago or months ago. And you're just like, oh my gosh, five months went by, or five years, or in my case, 20 years just went by. So why do we work? We work to live. We don't live to work. And if we're smart, we're going to schedule lifetime in our day, every day, and do something nice for ourselves. It could quite simply mean having an ice cream cone. It could mean, as I say to many moms, and they'll say, well, when do you find free time? And I said, the secret, <laughs> this sounds crazy, but for any mom, dads too, maybe you might need to try this. I paint my nails. So you paint your nails. What is that? It's 20 minutes where you have to focus, even if it's just clear polish, and nobody can touch you. You can't touch anything. You have to let it dry for 20 minutes. And guess what? When it's dry, if you still need a little more time to just process your thoughts, do your toes. <laughs> and what I love about this is, this also becomes a cell phone less time too, because you cannot, like it's really time you're spending with yourself, with all this wisdom. If right. Go back. Right. It's a moment of silence. It's like yeah. meditation. And, and again, I'm not saying paint your nails every day, but if that's the only way you can get everybody to, if you'd say, I'm painting my nails, don't tell them why I'm painting my nails. Guess what? Nobody's going to bother you. Yeah. You can't pick up anybody. You can't hug anybody. And guess what? You have made yourself prettier for lack of a better word, or, mm -hmm. you know, at least with clear polish, at least maybe you've <laughs> just made them shinier, but it's a, it's a way I learned this from a mom with six children. And mm -hmm. this is how she dealt with needing time for herself. She would just say, I got to paint my nails. Robin, we found another title for a book. <laughs> what is your paint your nail moment? Okay. Exactly. I'm just telling you, we will finish this conversation with six books. Of course. <laughs> oh my God. Your paint your nail moment. Um, you know, it's funny. 
at the end of the day, we work to have a great life. Mm-hmm. And with COVID, it brought into great visibility that some people will not have a very long life mm-hmm. because they catch a disease that we can't even see. Mm-hmm. So you need to have moments where you just sit and enjoy your family. If you've been on your to-do list saying, I want to read a book, read the book. Just stop and read the book. Put it on your calendar. Free time or focus time and read that book because, you know, and it's a moment of um, really appreciating why we're here on this earth, which is to learn, to be curious, to be family, friend-oriented, and to help and to give. So when I say to help and to give, that's one category because sometimes just help is picking up the phone and calling somebody who may live alone mm-hmm. and they, they're isolated. That's helping them. And you're giving your five minutes or 20 minutes of time. It, it may be insignificant to you, but it can mean the world to someone else. Okay, and that's the part where I really love the common thread in our conversation is at every point, if I have to describe Robinism, it's about making an impact. And it's not just for others. It's also about taking care of you because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else because I think that's, and also thanks for sharing the process of, again, I didn't want to trivialize, but I really love the concept of what is your paint your nail moment. I really love because that is 100% you. It's just like you and I, where high school buddies meeting after a long time, after 30 years, let's say, that has to be a cell phone-less conversation, okay? <laughs> Same way, I think having that cell phone-less, interrupt-free conversation, I really got it once you told me as you were driving. So with all this wisdom, okay, if you go back to more than 20 years ago when you started and find a younger self, you know, graduating from high school, what would be the one advice you could give that amazing kiddo? Ooh. You know what? I think that the one piece of advice that I wish I had known is not to always think that you will walk in the room and be accepted, (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) And I use that because there's something called imposter syndrome, right? When you become successful and let's say you get invited to, I call it the rubber chicken dinner, right? And there's a lot of very important people in the room, people you've always wanted to meet, your heroes, right? And then you have that moment of, well, but why am I here? That's that moment. So there might be a moment when you can't accept that you've been invited to be in that room. And that's okay. But you need to remember that you're in the room. You were invited. And accept that. Because as your thoughts manifest your future. And if you are blessed and you start rejecting that blessing and say, oh, I don't deserve to be in that room or using language like that's crazy. No, you need to say, I am so honored to be in this room Mm -hmm. and not that's crazy, but wow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Language manifests. If you reject, you will not get. And that is something that is Eastern philosophy forever, if you think about it. You must be grateful, humbled, and accepting. And I tell people this is something that they most people don't understand because the English lexicon is so, oh, that's crazy, or I can't believe it. Don't ever say, I can't believe it. Say, I am so grateful, or I'm so thankful. Because the minute you say, I can't believe it, guess what? You just told the universe you don't want it. And they might make your journey five days longer or five weeks longer or five years longer. And you need to just change your language and accept things. I think that's something that I would do. And you know, the other thing, set your own intention and don't go to a committee about your intention. If you say, I want to earn X dollars in your head, write it down, put it in an envelope. That's your intention. You do not need to go to someone else and go, what do you think about my my goal? (laughs) You might say, how could I get to this goal? But you don't need to say, is it okay for me to have that belief Mm -hmm. in me or in my goal? I think that doubt is can be shaken because someone else can have a view of you 
And so now I'll give you a little story. In the 20 years I've been in business, I've gone to VC, I've gone to seed, I've gone to angel. And one particular meeting stands out. It was with a woman-based venture group. They're supposed to help women. I walk in to a room. There's a whole bunch of people around the table, men and women. And this one woman basically insulted me by saying, in essence, because I was brown, that I've never seen a brand like yours. Who would buy your stuff? I don't know any brands that look like you. Now, at that moment, I cannot unzip myself and become something else, right? Mm -hmm. So if I did not have what I call that center core of intention, that would have crushed me so badly. I might have been like, okay, let me go get a job at a, at a retail store because obviously I just need to sell other people's brands. Mm -hmm. I instead stood up and said, well, I guess you'll see one day. Left the meeting. I'm still friends with one particular woman who walked outside with me and was like, I'm so sorry. That was so biased. That was so racist. And I'm still friends with that person. But everyone else in the room just sort of sat there and let that insult happen. I went to friends and family and they did the first big fun. So here we are 20 years later. And now that conversation is beginning again, because I'm going to really relaunch this new clean design home brand. Should I get funding? Should I self fund it? What should I do? But I find it amazing that I set a goal. When I look at other people, they might say, you can't do that. But they also might say, your goal's too big. Yeah. Intent, as you said, you commit to yourself, write it in an envelope. What I love about fascinating is there are three different things you shared. I want to recap a few of those. The first thing is, and I love the example you gave about the party. Okay. People chose you to be there. I love what you said. You have to see that you have earned to be there. Okay. Because if you walk in, want to be invisible and blend in with the background or whatever it is, I really think it is being unfair to that Robin or Arjun who has worked hard to be recognized, to be there. And, and this is the best part about our conversation is you don't stay at ideas, you give me tactics. Because I was just going to ask you, so what do you do? And you just said, Arjun, instead of saying, oh, I shouldn't be here. You know, you just talked about the thankful. Okay? And the Power of that self-talk is so important. I was working with one of the top golfers and I made this part from like obscene distance went in. Before anybody could cheer, I said, oh, that was just luck. He came close to me and said, Arjun, how would you feel if you made the part and I came to you and said, it's just luck? Ooh. And then he said, why are you doing this? It's a self-abuse. Yes. You just saw yourself make the part. That is real. Why can't you get the fist pump out? Celebrate? Like Tiger, yeah. Tiger's yes. like, yeah, I did it. Yes. Or Venus or Serena, that's right. Yes. And of course, that gentleman being very kind, he explained to me by saying, but with you, can you wear a full sleeve shirt because your triceps are not worth showing yet? And that was very funny. <laughs> I also loved the second part as you started going through about intent because we, get we start diluting our intent because to me, last I thought this is a free country and a free intent country and a free intent world. Okay. If we start compromising and doubting, I really love our intent. That means that doubt will start going at every part of our journey. Yes. And we all have our own journey, whether it's a personal loss, whether it's a fiscal loss, whatever mm -hmm. the barriers are in our life you still have to remember that there's a reason for that lesson. Mm -hmm. And it's not clear ever, ever in the moment. Like yeah. it's as though you're alone. Mm -hmm. But I had a mentor. <laughs> this is a, another title of a book. He said, what you think you suffer alone is quite common. So if that is true, that means think about COVID. Someone else has lost someone else. Someone else, maybe their job went sideways for a brief moment. Someone else, maybe they lost some sales. It's not just you. So when you process it, that there's a global loss happening or that has happened, you're okay with it because maybe you didn't lose as much as someone else did. 
but then maybe you can give a little bit to that person Hopefully. with advice or counsel or as you're doing words to win so that people can get revved up again when this economy and when this COVID is passed. Because it's all about, you know, this conversation we're having. When you really think about it, it's a gift to someone's future self. Okay. When someone listens to this in a year, five years, 10 years, the words that we're sharing are a gift to them. And it's an analogy of, you know, I used to wonder why did my mom make the bed before we went on a vacation, right? You've packed up all the luggage and you're ready to go. And she's like, hold on, I have to make sure all the dishes are washed. I have to make sure the beds are made. And I, one day I was like, why did you do that? And she was like, it's a gift to my future self. When I come home, I don't have to wash the dishes and, or make the beds. It's done. And that is what we need to do more for ourselves is that gift to our future self. So two things you talked about there is one is it's not me alone. So, and that I think is a common thread for you is you don't solve a problem only for yourself. When you're solving it, it's just like cooking for one person and cooking for five takes nearly the same effort. Okay. So why not cook it for four more and go through? But I really want to, you know, this conversation, this is fascinating. We could go for hours, but I want to go back and, you know, touch, hit one thing you talked about was when you went through that moment, everybody was silent and that man, sorry to be, you know, direct, but it was directly abusive in his words. Many a time, some of us take a step back and withdraw. Okay? Some of us blame that person. But I really love that you saw that as an opportunity by saying, let me show the world. But to me, I really think what he did in a way dared you to succeed. Like at some point, you really need to send him a thank you card or something because he dared you to succeed. As we're talking about this whole discussion, I think, you know, we can go for a long time. You know, so I just want to ask you two questions. One is, is there one person who has inspired you the most? And secondly, what is that core inspiration? Whew. You know, it's not one person. It's a collective group of people. Mm -hmm who, and I'll call it the ancestors, right? There, as a woman of color in America, I had a little bit of time during this early COVID last year to go into ancestry.com and to find my ancestors, to really push the buttons and say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, discovering their names and where they came from. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of intermixing in my family, white, black, you know, Irish, English, Cuban, et cetera. And so I found on my mother's side, I believe, yeah, my mother's side, the oldest or last relative I can find who came on a slave ship from Africa. And her name was Polly. And she was four years old. In Louisiana, she came aboard to the US. And there's no mention of her mother. So I said to myself, wow, whoever Polly was, I don't know if she had a mom, I don't know if she was sold, but I do know that strong gene, that strong will to succeed because Polly went on to have many children. She got married. She, you know, lived to, I guess, 70, which is a ripe old age, right? Mm -hmm. Polly is part of my ancestry. But then I look on the other side of my mom's family, which is the white side of the family, because there's intermixing in the 1800s. And you keep going back. And we got all the way back to the 1300s, the Knights. And one cousin was a cousin of Benjamin Franklin. They spelled it F-R-A-N-K-E-L-Y-N. And so I was like, man, I come from inventors. I come from some royalty. I come from barristers in England, they have castles and slaves. Wow. So I come from a whole community of people who didn't know that this little brown girl might turn out the way that I have. And I thank them all because my genes, my ancestry, that hard life of the slaves and even go not just to the slaves, but my, my grandmother was a housekeeper, the, the help. 
right? On my father's side. And my father's side would, I hate to say it, but it's like mainly slaves. Like it, that's, you know, there's a point when you just can't go any further. My mother's side was the, you know, the Frank, Benjamin Franklin people and the, you know, Polly who came from Africa, who ultimately owned property, you know, and you're just like, wow, she got free. How did she get free? Because of her sons, I guess, fought in the war for the army and then they became free. And so you say, wow, but then you go to the grandmother, my grand, my father's mother, and she was part of the help and she was a couturier. She made slip covers, she made curtains, she made dresses, she, she designed spaces. Wow, she didn't get credit for it because of the time. But when you play it back, you say, that creative genius came from somewhere. Then I look on my mom's side of the family, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, they were real estate developers down in Houston and there was intermingling. So there was a guy, I won't say his name, who had a black family down in the country and a white family in Houston. And he would sign the paperwork so that his son, his brown skinned son could own property. So my great grandfather owned property in the twenties and the thirties down in Texas because his father signed the paperwork. Well, his son, my grandfather, when I was six or seven, again, that pivotal <laughs> years, right? Six and seven, you are who you are before your peers tell you who you are. You know that you want to be an astronaut or a fireman or whatever. <laughs> and no one has told you you can't be that, right? And so that grandfather had many properties. And one day he said to me, it was during the summer, and I had my little parasol, my gloves, you know. And he said, uh, what color should these houses be painted? And I said, Easter egg colors. Now, a child typically colors on a one-dimensional piece of paper, a coloring book. Now, if all of a sudden the workers are painting the eaves pink and green and, and yellow, like the Caribbean, Easter egg colors, and the next week you come back and all these houses are these beautiful melange of colors, your life has instantly changed from one dimension to three dimensions. Okay. And you get heard. You get heard. That's the most important thing was for a six-year-old, the best gift a grandpa can give you is make you feel important. Oh, and, yes, and that's, that's, my, that's my block of houses, right? Yes, yes, it's your houses. And what I love is your awareness, your pride, and your celebration. Because to me, as you go through, not a lot of history is always what we want it to be. Yes. How you're celebrating. So as we start, you know, bringing this conversation to a little end, because I can go on for two more hours at least. Well, I've been doing it again. That's what we have to do, right? I know, I know. So what do you want listeners to know about your business, company, you, that they might not know already? You know, I would like people to know that still 20 years after great success, I mean, we sold over $82 million in custom cabinetry, wholesale. We were at Bed Bath Beyond. To this day, I've still not been able to get funding, seed, VC, or private equity. I would like someone to raise their hand out there somewhere. I've trademarked the brand Clean Design Home. I would like someone to take a bet on me and my brand and do some seed capital or venture or buy me out. Um, and I jokingly say that, I don't know if I really wanna say combine my company, so I'll, maybe I don't want them to buy me out. But I want someone to say, this person is worth it. She has bootstrapped her business. She has made money for a lot of people. Because when you think about 82 million wholesale with a four or five X multiple, that's a billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. And you know, somebody made all a lot of money, if that makes sense, at retail. And so what I want someone to do is take a step back and say, you know, when you look at the funding, women get two to three percent of funding mm -hmm. women of color get 0.02 percent of funding and the hurdle moves i've been in the at the room and someone says how many social media followers do you have and i'm like i'm not doing instagram modeling i'm working what do you want me to do so stop that and fund somebody and watch watch your profits grow and the, um, to me it's the impact that you're making is not just projecting in future, it is real impact you've already made 
yes. over the last 20 years, and it is ascending, which yes. takes me to my most incredible question I was waiting for is, somebody like you, who always reinvents, and from the six-year-old to how far you've come impacting in the lives of others with so many companies, what does the future hold for you personally and your brand? What's the future for me? Yes, now in your business. Well, I would say that we're going to get funded. Mm -hmm. We're going to get funded. Uh, that's number one. Number two, we're going to start seeing more people go to cleandesignhome.com and they're going to start buying boxes of pillows. In fact, you know, I love it when I get one of those orders because I can personally send a note to the person and put it in the box. So that's fun. I think the third thing that you're going to see is either another book, which I'm trying to figure out if I want to write the book first, or you're going to see me, gosh, I don't want to give away a secret, but there's going to be a media play. Let me put it that way. There's going to be some media in the near future. One of the things that we also have done is um, I'm also starting to give back, to give advice to people through some coaching and things like that, where people are actually asking, not how did you do it? Because when they do ask that question, I'm like, it's not about my story. It's about your story. Mm -hmm. So you're going to start seeing me give advice to people one-on-one -on -one or in small groups so that I can um, guide people so that they can be their best self. It's not, no entrepreneur's journey is lockstep. That. That's a corporate job. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to do it your way with your vision. That's brilliant. Thank you, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. Insightful, exciting, and you are a great interviewer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, to me, at the end of every interview, I just look at what is the one thing I learned. Okay? And the biggest thing for me is, as a six-year-old, the challenges you faced, especially in a world a few years back, you know, today is still somewhat easier. How you use that to create Robin today, a positive human being, always smiling, never in denial, making an impact for others, and always thinking how to make tomorrow bigger. And I just think that that at the core is so incredibly fascinating because you are one of those amazing people. And I just learned such a lot from this conversation is all I know is your future will be bigger. That's God it. bless you. That's it. <laughs> so again, thank you. Thank you all for being part of this incredible conversation with Robin Wilson. Thank you. And looking forward to another fascinating conversation with another leader for another walk of life, another part of the world. Happy listening. Thanks. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.